Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. You know what I'm about to say, and I know you want to hit that forward 30 second thing just to not hear me say it, but please hear me out. We need your support now more than ever. The Tortoise Shack has thousands of people listening, but obviously people are feeling the pinch, particularly after Christmas, and we are struggling to keep the lights on, mics on, and conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. We've no ads, we've no sponsors, we rely entirely on you to pay it forward and keep this project going. It is the price of a fancy cup of coffee to you once a month, but to us it's mics on, lights on, bills paid, and we get to keep going in 2024, which is going to be a huge year of elections. So if you value what we do, give something back. Click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's right there at the top of the podcast you're about to listen to. And it ain't a one-way street. You get a ton of additional content for that, including all our podcasts as quickly as I can turn them around, completely plea-free. So, for example, if you were listening to our live podcast from a few weeks ago at the Sugar Club with Barra, who talked about his journey of death, the trip of death from Turkey to Greece and then winding up homeless on the streets of Dublin. Well, Barra, Brian and Aziz rejoined us for an update on his situation, how he's getting on since then and what's happening with his family and friends in Gaza and indeed in Rafa at the moment. That's available right now on the Patreon feed for all of our members so by joining us, you get access to that and our entire back catalogue in one consolidated feed. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise Thanks so much for your support. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and it's good to be talking about the wider politics for a while. And yet I know inevitably we're going to be talking about some of the domestic issues and the uh, the ongoing genocide in Gaza as well, but um, but Martin, um, you're uh, you're 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 looking almost upright today. So it's a special effort this evening that you've made for uh, for I our guests. And, and and let me just just hold on a second. Get that note right. Happy birthday to you. You are a Roser, me too. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Luke Ming. Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you very much. Very good. Uh, you, you're wasted. You should be. You should be I know. I know. Country and Irish. I was thinking of. You know. Jesus, forget it. No, stick with what you My my great my great hope was that it would gradually progress. Music as the years gone on, and I'm looking at fifty years after the Sex Pistols, almost and. Country and Western is popular. Whatever you're into, I'm not. Well, you see, it's it's all down to the Eurovision. The Eurovision, you know, that's where music split in Europe. We could have gone down the American route with nice rocky music, but no, we had Eurovision, which just really destroyed music that's in Europe. That's an really. absolute nonsense. There's a lot of bangers in 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 Eurovision. There's they're much more worse manufactured mainstream stuff that we dirge that we get anyway and uh and i won't hear a word about it um look luke happy birthday and not not only happy birthday from us actually i was talking to sharon lambert there and he said make sure you tell him i said happy birthday so there you go your own celebrity endorsement by, by one of one of ireland's finest uh superheroes sharon lambert said it as well but it's good to see you pal um can i ask you first and foremost 2024 year of elections you're going again, Luke. You're going into it again. Where are we? Where are we heading in the European Parliament? Um, where are we heading? From what perspective? From your perspective, what, respect for it. Uh, where, like, okay, yeah. For me, well, for me at the moment, I suppose for me at the moment and today in particular was the petitions committee, a committee that I've discovered is actually very useful. Uh, a committee that originally I uh, suggested to uh, the people affected by defective blocks in Mayo and uh, 
Donegal and other counties that maybe they should try it out and that uh, maybe don't expect too much, uh, but uh, maybe you might get something out of it. So for the last three years, we've been working on that. And today, a report was presented in that committee about a visit to Donegal where MEPs from the committee visited Donegal, looked at the houses falling down, and they came back and they presented a report today. And I have to say, it's one of my hopeful days in politics because we had an EPP chair, basically the same group as Fine Gael are in, totally ignore political lines and produce a report that pulled absolutely no punches and did our MEP, Fine Gael MEP colleagues in Ireland, no favours and produced six recommendations, which basically says the government's got to get its act together, how it's affected people's mental health. It's affected them financially. And a big thing that came out of it was because there is a perception out there that people should be happy with the grant scheme that's available to them. And that committee has come out and said that it is imperative that they improve it. They make it more um, uh, bespoke to individual house owners and that they've got to increase the amount of money that they put into it. But the most important thing for me they came out to it and probably for everyone that's listening here is that somebody be held to account. And look, I don't think we'll ever get anywhere near the amount of money that's going to fix, it's what it's going to require to fix this problem from any sort of a case like that. But at the same time, it's important we establish who was it at fault. And Dolores Montserrat, the EPP chair, said that there has to be a an in public inquiry into it and we've got to establish who caused this in the first place. And the final thing was that we have to be, and I mean, this is bleeding obvious, but it has to be stated that we have to be proactive when it comes to building controls and not reactive. And she didn't say this, but I know the root of it. The root of it is the removal of the Clarker Works, the self-regulation by builders themselves of what they've done, and now Unfortunately, people are paying the price for it. But I have to say, I have many problems with the European Union, but I have to say they got a better hearing in the European Union from the European Parliament than they did from our government. And on this issue, I'm no longer a sceptic. I'm actually a sceptic about our own country. So we got well, something positive today. But that's you got something positive for them, Luke. And, and uh, we must mention this at the outset. You do a lot of positive work in the EU, particularly in the area of farming. You have honestly put in a huge amount of work, yet we never hear about it because you are persona non grata in RTE. Uh, well, do you want to hear awful. something interesting? This is very interesting. On the farming issue, because I put out a press release on the, the Micah thing. I don't put out that many notices, I have to admit. I only put something out if I feel I've done something rather than putting out something about something that might be popular and complain about it and what the what the hell uh, can I do about it? So on this one, for me, it was just important to get it out there. But you mentioned coverage. And, you know, at times you can say, oh, you're being a little bit precious. Why should they cover you? And do you know what? You might be being a little bit precious. Maybe why should they cover you? But I'll give you an example of how it seems to work. And I doubt they're listening to your podcast, but I'll Tag oh, they, 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 they listen. They just don't. They just don't admit to it. Well, I'll give you an example. There's a radio station 12 miles from me. In advance of getting elected to Dáil they had me on twice a week, and I, I can guarantee you this: I get this from them. They regret doing it. 
And I think they believe they played a part in me getting elected to Dollair. And I'd actually agree with them. But since then, the radio station, probably the most important local radio station for the point of me getting my message out, they very, very rarely, if ever, contact me, unless I make a fool of myself, which I do once every two years on average. But they have a farming program. Now, let people make up their mind. Maybe I'm being a little bit precious. Maybe I think I'm too important for my own boots. They have a farming program every Wednesday night. They have had that farming program continuously since I became an MEP. In total, my estimate, they've done about 460 programs since I became an MEP. Now, I live 12 miles from them. I am on the Agriculture Committee. I was the only person from Ireland out of eight, eight people who were present at CAP negotiations. Wow, aren't I great? But anyway, a radio station 12 miles away from me in nearly 500 programs, has never contacted me once. Now, to me, that's worrying because really what I'd like them to do is contact me and maybe go through me for a shortcut and prove that I don't know anything about it or let me prove, do I? But that's the way some of the media works. And it isn't only national media, it's some local media. Some, uh, some local media is immense. You look at Highland Radio, you have someone like Greg Hughes on there. He'd probably hate me for saying this. And he doesn't seem to care who he offends as long as he stands up for his listeners. And you get that in a few radio stations, in fairness. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta push in, Luke, and say one thing. And you probably didn't listen to it because you probably wouldn't go there. But I was listening to um, the uh, the Irish Times politics podcast when they referred to the EU and they said how people don't take the European Parliament election seriously just and how they could how they put this was because you can see by the people who we send and they were referring specifically to yeah. Claire, Mick and yourself and it was very much um, Yeah, I, you know, I, and I, I, picked, I picked up on that and, and, and I believe Barry Andrews um, uh, jumped in on that as well but uh, the reality is, I, I'll be honest with you, when I initially got elected to the European Parliament, my goal was maybe to make a bit of noise and uh, let people know a bit of what was going on and to kick off a bit. And the reason why I, I was thinking that was because sure, what else can you achieve out there? And what I have actually discovered as an independent, not just me, but if you put your head down and you work with people, you can actually get wordings into regulations. You can get, you can actually have an impact. So in a way, them saying that to me is very, very dangerous. They're putting out the message there in a way that, well, not in a way, unless you vote for the mainstream parties, you're wasting your time. So they're telling people who feel they can't vote for the main parties not to go out to vote, when in fact it has proved quite effective. And whether you like what Mick Wallace or Claire Daly are saying, and I don't like everything they're saying, and they don't like everything I'm saying, and anyone who says they like everything, anyone, everything everyone is saying is a liar anyway. But the reality is, no one can claim that Mick Wallace and Claire Daly have made no impact. And likewise for myself, people can claim we haven't made an impact. And there is a role, and they also criticise us for being part of a small group. There is a downside to being in a small group. I agree with that. But there is also an upside. You basically, our group has to follow the same amount of files as a big group. And because we have so many less, we get to cover so many more files. And when it comes to getting into the cap negotiations, I wouldn't have gone in the door if I was with the S&D or if I was with the Greens because they're too big and I wouldn't have been there long enough. And because I'm in a small group, 
I was in the room. And how the Irish Times can claim having someone in the room at the right at the front desk in negotiations a bad thing, I don't know. But then maybe they just don't like me. Well, and can that's I, Mar- basically I, what they're doing. I, I know Martin wants to make one point, but I want to make something very clear. So we've talked, you've mentioned CAP, you've mentioned the, your, your, I know you've worked on biodiversity, you've worked on how that's going to be actually outlined. You've mentioned the, the MICA scandal and how you're going to work on that. These are just a couple of things. What the Fine Gael representatives, for my money, for the, since they've since this parliament, the term of this parliament, are famous for, is voting with the EPP to not <laughs> to not ramp up uh, the rescue, sea rescue for migrants, and then recently on an amendment on Gaza, and we'll get to that separately. But I just want to be put that on the record now. Um, can I ask you though specifically about the European the elections that are forthcoming now? the battle for the balance of power within the EU, par- the European Parliament. What is your take now currently? Because we keep hearing that the, the, the right is in the ascendancy. There's, you know, that we're going to, we're going to see this, um, this, this new block will be in power. And Fortress Europe is actually the Frontex funded um, organization is only going to get worse. Can I ask you, first of all, you, you are running. Yes. Yeah, I am running. And um, while when people asked me six months ago, was I running? I said yes, because, I mean, if you said no, it's very hard to go back on it. Quite honest, I hadn't made up my mind. But um, I've made up my mind in the last few days and uh, I am running. I'm definitely running. And from the point of view of what to, if I get reelected, what do I expect to see in front of me in the European Parliament? I expect to see an increase in the right representation in there. And I also expect to see the EPP, a smaller EPP, making up the numbers to complete what the right need. And we could see that a long time ago with Manfred Weber, they're basically the head in the European Parliament. As I said years ago, the most dangerous man in there, because at least you know what the far right are about. This guy uses more causative language. But he let the guards down. Uh, when he starts using language about how we need to follow European values, Christian values, and all that sort of stuff. So it's fairly easy to see where they're going. But, and it saddens me. But what re- and it really saddens me. But what saddens me more about it is that we know the ingredients for this shit sandwich, and we know the method, and we knew it in advance, and we know people turn nasty if they get desperate. I wish they didn't, but they do. And we should have worked on that, and we didn't. And one of the things for me that's driving this, one of the things, there's lots of things, that is the transition. The transition to a more sustainable planet. The transition to the only way that the planet can survive. Lots and lots of transition. Even more talk about just transition. But all it is is talk. We have a transition but we don't have a just transition. And that is going to drive... Now, people talk about immigration, and I'll get to that, but this is something that will drive people. And it isn't that people want to be bad or want to be environmentally friendly. They just want to live, and they want to exist, and they want to stay warm. In the case of farmers, they want to make sure they know what's going to happen in five years' time. And I think there was a massive opportunity there to actually do something positive, Let's say, do what they did in Italy, give 110% grants to retrofit your house. Then everyone would love the idea of doing something about climate change. But when you're looking at 
and I won't call it a bag, I call it a bagging of wood in a shop that you would put in a little shopping bag for a fiver. And you're telling people that we're going to have a just transition when they can get a bag of turf, and I now know how much it cost me last year for me bag of turf because I heard people say it was bad value. It's bad value for the planet, but it warms people's house and it cost me 70 cents for a bag that would last twice as long as that would. Now, am I wrong for burning turf? Yes, I am. Is it destroying the planet? Yes. Is it damaging a carbon sink? Yes. But how would you stop all my neighbours wanting to do it if you retrofitted their house and you did it right? But they're not doing that. And now people are looking for simple solutions. People who say there is no climate change. Irish of the planet warms, has been warming and cooling all the time. And people out of necessity are biting that cherry. And for me, there are people who need to have a good look at themselves. They really, really do. But it is they're causing this. If you look, and even at our own domestic situation, look, we got a carbon tax that unfairly targeted the poor so that the wealthy could have retrofits on their home. And that's that's what the carbon tax does in Ireland. Um, the wealthy have benefited far more from ret- retrofits than the, the poor have. Um, and I worked out the figures on this a couple, uh, a couple of months ago. If it's a ret- retrofit, the, the housing that we have at the moment, you're looking at a couple of hundred years yeah. at the scale we're going at at the moment. It's so outrageously bad. But you say just transition, but the message coming from both domestic and the EU is not a just transition, but just transition. Just do it. And yeah. that's what's coming at us. And it, it does feel very, and I am a poor person. I do feel very under attack by it. I absolutely do. I understand all the necessary I, for, for what we have to do. I, I, can I, but the can messaging I, is can, bad. Can I add something, Martin, just domestically? And I want to bring it back domestically. I've taken a lot of shit over the last few days because um, I pointed out that the idea of putting, you know, this 15, 15 quid a month on everybody's broadband. You didn't criticize Oliver Callan's pay, I hope. No, no, no. Uh, Oliver did, did text me to thank me for bowing out of the of the interview process for the job because he knew I was he was up against me for it. But he knew you wouldn't do it for one fifty. So exactly, no yeah. But um, but the, but the, but I did say that you know that uh, that this idea of putting fifteen quid on everybody's broadband bill in as opposed to the t- television license was yet another regressive tax. And all the Greens jumped up and down and said, you know, oh, that's not our policy. That's that's a Fine Gael idea. Our minister says different. But you were going to implement it nonetheless. That's what my point. Doesn't make any difference. That's it. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter if you stand. It's like the. It's you know. It's the same basis where it comes to these things. Where whereby and you've spoken about CETA. You've spoken about it. Eamon Ryan. I have a video of Eamon Ryan talking about all the problems with CETA before he became before he got elected and then all of a sudden became a fan of CETA. But to Martin's point, the idea of the just transition that you that you're referring to. On an EU-wide level, we came out of COVID and we thought we had an opportunity here now to actually say, you know, we've learned the lessons from the pandemic. We'll have to, you know, to use the that awful Biden phrase, build back better. Um, and we, we just absolutely butchered it. And I mean, not just domestically, but from the EU. And the budgets got slashed very quickly and very quietly, Luke, when it came to actually doing that. Well, from the point of view, you see, some people will, will look at it and say, Europe should fund this. And ideally, Europe should fund it. Um, but the reality is that there is no appetite to increase 
the amount that each country puts into the European Union. And for me, there is no appetite either. And the reason why there's no appetite is because, fine, I say increase funding and give the money to the environment, give the money to a just transition for farmers, give it to, uh, to, to, to help with biodiversity and all that. But the reality is that if we put more money into the EU, more money will end up with Frontex, more money will end up with uh, what you call it, security and defence. And it's like, basically, we have no choice but to drink that soup, even though one of the ingredients in it is feces. You know, so the problem with, for me, the struggle I have is like my instinctively, my thinking is, Work out what's going to be the bailout around Europe? How much is this going to cost? And then we go and we try and acquire that money. In the European elections, we sell it to the public that this is what we want to see happen the next time round. This is what it will require from the point of view of an increase. And in Ireland, we're net contributors. We will get less back than we put in. I would argue all that. But the problem is my argument falls down at the end. And the reason why I know this will happen is because in the last MFF, they reduced the percentage of funding to agriculture, and that money went to, as my friend said, battalions instead of scallions, scuds instead of spuds. That's where it went. I, so that make that's the avenue in Europe cut off. So how do we, then do we do it nationally? And if we try and do it nationally, are we breaking some EU spending rules? Are we, are we, are we, is there a problem with the European semester? So we seem to be caught. And you mentioned the, the how, how many houses or how, how, how long it's going to take. For me, it makes me question, do, have they ever looked up the meaning of the word emergency? They're saying it's a climate emergency. And then if I put something on Twitter, which I did about why are you taking so long to retrofit houses if it's an emergency, I get the reply from some green going, oh, you're being negative. We're going as fast as we can. If it was an emergency, you do nothing else but concentrate on this. But they're not. It's pure tokenism. There is no plan to get every house in Ireland that is possible to have aerated. aerated. There isn't a plan. I don't see a plan. And uh, for me, it's both scary for my children's future. But at the same time, people are going around racked with guilt. Why am I doing anything? And they're but that's, doing nothing to make it possible. Isn't that the, the green ethos, though, that they're there to add a green tint to whatever government is there. I, I, the, I'm going to say to you, Martin, that's our greens ethos. Let's, let's be very yeah, clear. They just this. add a tint of green. I mean, honestly, there's nobody in, in the Green Party in Ireland who wouldn't fit perfectly in, in Fine Gael. There isn't. There really isn't. Yeah. That's true. Bar Grace um, O'Sullivan, actually. And, 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 no, hang on. See, this is just and, and by the way, I'll give her a... Pa I, it takes a lot, but... Um, uh, I still have time for her. Oh, no, I just can't not. But she's, but she's because yeah. she's walked the walk, and she has, and she has, she has decades of activism in in her in, that that stacks up. I I understand that, but my point being, ultimately, she also benefits from being able to say one thing in the European Parliament and not it's, and not have to answer for what her party that she remains a member of are doing domestically. And I have the same argument with Kieran Cuff when he talks about retrofitting homes and he knows it's not happening uh, back uh, back in, in Ireland and here he is sitting on the committee talking about how they want to retrofit, retrofit all these um, government buildings across the EU and we're, and we're, uh, we're laggards yet again. Nonetheless, I don't want to just... Let's not just pick on the Greens because they're fairly easy to pick on. But when it comes to the the, the, the I just praised one, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and I get to cut it out because I'm the editor. 
<laughs> so, loads of votes in that too. But anyway. uh, but, um, but but ultimately, wh- where where we stand with the European Parliament is, as you said, there's a there's a chance that will go further to the right. The EPP is eating itself. We will have the the left bloc that you're a part of, and we will have issues then in terms of migration, 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 migration. I, I, yeah, okay, hopefully, and I, and I do genuinely, you know, Luke. We don't often put our finger on the thumb, our scales on the thumb, on the scales, but we want you to get back in because. Oh God, yeah. Gotcha. How long ago is it since I met you out in Ashburn and I went and helped you? I think it was the first time you were standing in the EU. It's I do. I remember we went in and we had a cup of tea. In, yeah, uh, bought so me a cup of tea, you did. With cafe with a lot of glass on the front. And then we went into a butcher shop afterwards where he told that's, me they were driving we, crazy with the costs. Hugh McGuire, craft butcher out in Ashburn. We'll give him a shout out because he's a good man. Good so man, we'll you. Give him a, From a vegetarian. We'll, <laughs> we'll give him a shout out. I didn't tell him nice, that. It does a nice cut of meat. I listen, just but on on the the general shape of it, then there will be um, a need to somehow when the pendulum swings, it has to start to swing back eventually. These things don't remain thus. We were talking to our friend um, John Schwartz from the Intercept in in America, and he was sort of saying to us that sometimes you have to almost they, they maybe need a bit, but they may, maybe need to feel what fascism is going to be like before they realise that it, that it is fascism. Um, this is very close. The, Don, the Donald Trump, the Donald Trump thing, though, would kind of unfortunately. That's why he went wrong. But this it is, swang that way, and it was so bad it barely swang back the other way. <laughs> And now they want to go back. Oh, but, 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 again, but, but the choice is really shit. That's what I was going to say. You're literally you're back to the back to the argument. You're 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 choosing between a punch in the nose or a punch in the nose from the fellow who's going to say to you, "Sorry, I hit you so hard." Afterwards, right? That's the only yeah. difference between the two the two kind of outlooks on on the thing. But within the EU, um, we, we're talking about they're really trying to weaponize migration now, and you you know this in, domestically. You've seen it; it's become an issue whereby you know they're protesting at places. And I know you've been clear on you know on 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 how we how Ireland should welcome people, and and if did if done properly, can accommodate people. But a government it suits a government to say that you know you know blame the migrants because then it takes the focus off their lack of delivery when it comes to affordable housing and and, and services. But Luke, the well, well, for me, there's a double. There's there's a double horror in this. There's the horror of racism, and there's obviously the horror of like you're, you're fleeing persecution. And maybe you're looking for a better life, and you are an economic refugee, like all my family and all that. And you are there. There's there's that side to it, and it, it's that particular part is like it's it's so so sad to see it. But for me, it's even sadder. When you look at if this was approached in a different way originally, and still if it was approached in a different way, it could be a massive positive. And it would be a massive positive because for years, my town, Ballyhonus, Ballyhadreen, and all of these places, what was the focus? Everyone is leaving. Everyone wants to leave. We can't have anyone in our, in our towns. And basically, they're emptying out and there'll be no rural Ireland. And that was the case for a long, long time. And then we have a situation where people quite literally are killing themselves to get here. And we've missed a massive opportunity because we could have a situation here, and we still can, whereby instead of people going around saying it's full, 
that they'll actually be able to say, now Casserie has a big enough population to support a cinema. So does Ballyhonus. So does Ballyhadreen. Now we have enough of a population in rural areas to make it really, really sustainable. And this still can be a positive. Like it will require serious effort when it comes to building houses and basically thinking outside the box maybe and doing things in a way we didn't do it before. But we know how to build houses. We knew how to build too many when we didn't need them. We have not forgotten about that. So to me, the real sad thing is, like the biggest thing that pissed me off forever about Ireland was we all had to leave and you could never stay here. And here we are. People want to come here. We should celebrate it. And another real, and someone pointed this out to me yesterday. If people keep going on like this, and they keep going around saying negative things about for foreigners and about immigrants, and they keep coming out with this chat, we are so dependent on people working in nursing homes, in hospitals, in so many areas of Irish life, that they're going to start thinking, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. Because why should I be here? I'm cleaning that guy's arse. And then this one is calling me, saying there's something wrong with me because of the color of my skin. Do you know what? I'll do that difficult work elsewhere. And do you know what? We will be stuck then. So I think we need to be careful from that point of view, because if we make Ireland an unwelcoming place, from a purely selfish point of view, who's going to do a lot of this stuff that well, they do so well in the same way as we did it so well when we traveled and we do it so well now as well? Like, I mean... There is no upside to this, but for me, where did where did the thinking come from? Did it come from the far right? Or did it come from people like Leo Varadkar after the last crash, where he suggested that people from Eastern Europe should be paid to go home? Now, when you say that and you start saying things like that, you make it more acceptable to suggest that this is not people's home and it's only a temporary thing and we can run them when it doesn't suit us. That's an excellent, he, that's an excellent he, point. But Liz. he said it's something an excellent worse. Point. He also come out with a statement and I have to keep, I looked at it before I came on here and I've had to look at it 20 times, the 20 times I've said it because you've got to be careful. If you're going to make a claim that someone say, would say something as extraordinary as what I'm going to say, you want to be right. His statement on Ukraine to say it is only natural that we would accept people from Ukraine. Now, I wasn't that fond of maths in school, but I know what a corollary is. And the corollary of that is, is that it is unnatural to accept people from certain parts of the world. Now, the pricks that are out there stirring it up on the far right and the ones that are standing outside centres, they are a massive problem. But when you have someone from of Indian heritage who came here, and it's brilliant people come here. If you have someone who quite clearly has shown that multiculturalism works and it should be celebrated, talking about when things get difficult, some people should go home. And when things get difficult, that it's only natural one person comes here above the other. Well, sorry, don't complain when the bomb blows up if you like the bloody fuse. I, I, you know but what? Luke, look, look, round of applause because it's, it's, it, yeah, no, that's, that's a, it's excellent points, Luke. But you know, you are dead right about it. The, the, the discrimination comes from the top down. 
you know, once it's okayed at the top, well, then these guys are emboldened to do what they do. And that is exactly what's happening. It's exactly what we've seen the press do. They've emboldened them to do what they're doing. And nobody said stop. And it led to riots in Dublin. And it's led to an awful tense situation in Ireland at the moment. But that tense situation now exists in the EU under Gaza. And the the EU is failing miserably, awfully. And von der Leyen is utterly disgraceful. And yet, as an elected MEP, all of you can do nothing about it. Surely there's something wrong in the EU when that's happening. Well, we could have done something about it. And we've had an opportunity in October and in the last plenary in Strasbourg to do something about it. And just for me, the back for me, the initial thing was von der Leyen coming out without, as many people were saying and MEPs were saying, that is not her job. She does not have the right to come out and make statements like she did about supporting Israel and basically condemning Hamas and all that. They, everyone went correctly. She didn't have the right. And I thought, yeah, she didn't have the right. Wait until we get into the chamber. Well, then we got into the chamber. And even though they were all complaining that she didn't have the right, they went along and they put together a resolution that basically said, we bloody well agree with you. So the parliament did have an opportunity. And I had a couple of Greens come up to me around the time of this oral amendment that came in in October, where they start talking about humanitarian corridors, because we'll have a better chance of getting that passed. And two Greens come up to me and they were like, why do you sound so angry? Why do you sound so angry? And I'm still looking at them and thinking like, are you that thick that you can't see that this is the thumbs up to do what? A lot of you were saying, von der Leyen didn't have the right to say it. We went back again then in January. Um, Everyone is so sad that 24,000 dead later or more. And what do they do? They go ahead and they do the same thing. So we could say the European Parliament can't do anything. And OK, if we voted for, the re- voted for a resolution calling for an unconditional ceasefire, maybe they may not have listened. But you know what? There's no chance of them listening. Well, basically, they, well, they, I, there's I, very little chance I, of us succeeding with the way they went I, about it. I produce uh, a podcast with, uh, Yusuf Al-Jamal, a Palestinian writer and one of his old friends, Helena Coben and um, they were talking about it on this part of the news round they do I, I, I linger and I just throw my, I throw my two cents in as I'm lingering in the background and they were talking about you know, well the EU uh, has called for a ceasefire and I had to quickly turn the mic on and go, whoa, 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 no, the EU asked for a ceasefire on the basis that Hamas must be dismantled and um, the hostages must be returned and Israel has the green light to continue doing whatever it wants to do until such a time. And that is the point whereby I come back to what I said 15 minutes ago about the EPP, and particularly about Fine because the Fine Gael, uh, MEPs voted for this. These are the same MEPs, MEPs who I referred to earlier who voted for the um, winding down of uh, uh, search and rescue at sea, which has resulted in estimates anywhere of the 20,000 people being killed at sea in the last few years. And that is probably Many people think that's an understatement, by the way. I just want to be very clear on this. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. Well, we definitely don't know when they're they're going out helping. Well, Luke, some people know. uh, They just have footage of it, but they won't show it because the footage we've seen is the Frontex actually acting 
be outside of the law in some cases, whereby ships have been towed back closer to um, back closer to their point of origin. And we know from you know working with the, the people in Second Tree who we've spoken to. I mean. It's you know we we've been talking to to people who work with people who arrive in in on the on the beaches of Greece and how they've been treated. Their first person testimony is of of how the EU's effective um, border control, border guard has made has killed people. Okay, that's that's and I I've no hesitation saying that, but that's happening. Yeah. Uh, that's happening in our name, and it continues. Yeah, to happen. it is. But so does so yeah, does what's is. happening in, in Gaza. I suppose you could say. In the same way as what the government is, does here is in our name, but we have an opposition uh, who try, and there isn't enough of us, unfortunately, try and uh, make it otherwise. And, but you, you made a, you made it said something interesting there about your guest coming on talking about how there was a ceasefire, and I kind of get why people said that. And why people in the uh, Arab community said it, and people who were on the side of the people of Gaza said it. And even though it is quite clear when you read the details, they are that desperate that even though it didn't say that, it was better to kind of go, well, they're talking about a ceasefire, and bad and all is it what they're saying, maybe this might have a bit of leverage. Pathetic and all as it is, it was. It, and I seen it with some people in my group going, if we were to vote for some sort of a ceasefire, at least then the people of Palestine could say the EU said there needed to be a ceasefire. Uh, never mind the details; they mentioned the ceasefire. That's a fair. That, that's a fair point. No, it's absolutely and, a fair and, point. And that's sad. That's and it, for, it, me, it, for me. For me. I can understand why. But well, we've got to say, well, because no, well, because people 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 only ever read beyond. A lot of people nowadays, so sadly, only read beyond the headline. Don't read beyond the headline. I should say. So when the headline comes out and says EU calls for a ceasefire, people go, "Great, great news!" And no one really parses it. Same same way where don't be a party pooper telling us the details. Yeah, it's like it's like you know today we see the the when we're recording this, you know the the government have decided to to act in advance of the Sock Dems um, uh, putting a motion forward to get Ireland to support the ICJ and the ICC, particularly South Africa's case. And you know they're doing it just to preempt it. And they're saying everything. Likewise, I mean, we saw... I'm going to bring it back domestically, and this is where I'll finish, I promise. We have to remember, just thinking from an Irish point of view... The EU sent out a directive, said we should move towards a living wage. We've seen what's happened as the build up to COVID, the pandemic. We need a living wage in, in EU member states. Um, yes. Leo Varadkar did a uh, a speech where he talked about Ireland will recognise the living wage, but he was one of four party leaders across the EU who signed the letter that said Ireland will not be participating in the EU's directive to implement the living wage but he got the good PR for by by, by saying it at a, at a given this well, that, that's his modus operandi on absolutely but, everything but this is but, but then we see yesterday across all the newspapers and all the radio stations Ibex say you know we really need to do something about these wages going up folks we need poverty poverty wages need to be more done you know so um yeah it's 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 a strange so so my point being Luke ultimately comes to Gaza for me personally, obviously, I'm I'm invested. My friends are there. The EU has let us down badly there. And as someone said to me today, we are starting to think of the EU as just as bad as the fucking United States of America. 
Well, uh, anyone, uh, there's a lot of people out there now who would previously have had the view that PESCO wasn't necessarily a bad thing and that, sure, look, if we had European defence, how could it be a bad thing? Because for some reason, they uncritically, without analysing it, went, they are going to be good and they're going to be a force for good because Germany, Belgium and France and Spain have always been a force for good, yeah. Yeah. It is so true. And now they're all going to do it together. So there'll Luke, be like, a force uh, for good multiplied by four. Like, but, um, and w- that's one thing maybe that's come out of this at a horrific price um, that the European Union should be about absolutely everything but defence. And if we take care of everything else, security will take care of itself. And if those nations who... Uh, who still want to drive on with some sort of a European army, let them do it outside the European Union. And if they do it outside the European Union, then people who want the European Union to do good things and want the funding to be increased won't be worried that it won't go to retrofitting and it'll go to basically uh, building bombs and tanks, etc. Unfortunately, they have tied that shit show to what could be a very, very good thing and it seems to be impossible to untangle it now. And it is worth remembering that if they stopped building bombs, we could just transition tomorrow. We could solve poverty tomorrow. We could make a sustainable world for do, everybody do, do if do they you, just stop building do, bombs. The US, but remember, the, US is, the EU has plans for a green uh, way to <laughs> wage war and amendments put in by green MEPs who say, well, you know, we need a greener European defence union, a greener one, like. Luke, I have to say, I did meet you the first time you went out campaigning. And in all those years since, and we've both gotten quite a bit older, you have never lost an ounce of your passion. Not one ounce have you lost. And it stands to you. Who's in the field with you for the election? Um, Well, there's five seats. There was four. Two two new additional counties, uh, Offaly and Leash, which brings it back to the original constituency. Fianna Fáil are running one candidate, most likely Barry Cowan. Sinn Féin are running, um, I think it's Michelle Gildredew. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they've announced, and my friend, and I'll call him a friend because he's a damn nice guy, Chris McManus, and a fellow QPR fan. So they're half, by the way, of the current Midland Northwest MEPs are Queen's Park Rangers fans, including me. So they have the two Sinn Féin um, I presume Fine Gael uh, will run the Rose and call it Markey. And I refuse to call her anything else because basically that's what she's been. She has carried out her job like she is the Rose that, of Midlands. That North is West. so unfair because I remember specifically after the vote went through that she was very upset that people were accusing her of voting for the allowing people to drown. She was so upset about it. She went on RT the next day and she said, we are going to get people back around the table to make sure that we get a better deal and we save people. Now that was two years ago and no one had got back around the table. But nonetheless, let's not... Not, let's not be be smirched the good well, name of well that's the fact, and, that's and, the and she's anyway. and she is a podcaster okay, now I, she has I, a I'm podcast going to, i'm going to stop you two bitter old men and i'm going to end this on a good note luke the very best of luck in the upcoming elections and Thank yeah you. i have no problem saying vote for luke mcflanagan because i know luke mcflanagan and he does good things and he is a good helpful person so i have no problem saying i'd endorse you every day Thank you, Martin. I, I, I'm I'm not going to go there because he's have to give Nibbit a podcaster, fellow podcaster. 
<laughs> Listen, folks. Really? Uh, if, if you vote for me, Tony, for I'm setting up a podcast. www.patreon.com forward slash the beard. Folks, we leave it there and we'll talk to you all very, very soon. Great to talk to you, lads. Talk, take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.